my family and I moved to Southern California in uh, 1998, and uh, we lived in a little town called Fallbrook. Some of you might be familiar. It's about an hour from here, northeast, and uh, we were there doing youth ministry for about eight years, and then one of my dream, the ultimate dream that I had for my life really was fulfilled when we moved in 1993 into the beach communities. At that time, moved into Ocean Beach, became the lead pastor for a church over there, and uh, for me, it was like the, the pinnacle of my life. I, I was at a place where I'd always wanted to be. I remember as I was growing up, my uncle, uh, my uncle Dave, was always talking about San Diego, San Diego, San Diego, and and every time that he would talk about San Diego, it's like he had stars in his eyes. And he would describe the beaches and the piers, and he was really into fishing and, and just the beautiful weather and the people and everything. And I just got to this place, I thought, I have got to get to San Diego. And so I didn't get, actually get there until I think I was in my early 20s, my first trip. Uh, I loved it. It was even better than I, he described it to me. Uh, and then I, my wife and I, Karen, who's sitting over there, we came here for our honeymoon. And it was like, oh, San Diego. So then from that point on, for me, it was like, well, how do I get back to San Diego? Because I'm a NorCal guy. I, I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, and so, it, it, again, this was a dream come true, you know, living the dream. 93, I'm here. I live four blocks away from you know, the OB Pier. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm big into surfing and water life and everything. So this, this is it. And, but in my very first year in ministry, I made a colossal mistake. And I'll never forget it. Uh, so, you know, I came into the community, and I really embraced everything about San Diego except for one thing I didn't embrace. And I didn't, I'm a huge sports fan. I did not embrace their teams. And if you know the, uh, the, really the history of the San Diego teams, you can maybe understand why I felt that way. Because I, I was a 49er fan, and I was a Giants fan, so there was kind of the winning tradition I was used to, and I thought, I don't want to, like, embrace a losing team. And so I just didn't. Well, guess what happens? So the San Diego Padres, who have never, ever been in a World Series, or they've been in but they've never won one. San Diego Chargers have never won a Super Bowl. Well, San Diego Chargers go to the Super Bowl in 1994. And so the question is, how am I going to handle this, right? Because I'm a 49er fan. So instead of embracing the Chargers like I should have, on a Sunday morning uh, in this church, was more of a traditional church, I'm wearing, you know, um, a, a suit and a tie, big old fat 49er hat, just walked right up, there was a pulpit there, stood there, and just taunted everybody, you know, that was a Charger fan. And uh, uh, you talk about how not to win friends and influence people. So, you know, if you know the story, the Chargers got crushed by the 49ers, and then I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm all about that. And just people hating on me. And so finally, I realized, <laughs> I realized if you're going to love your community, you got to love everything, even the sports teams, if you will. And, and, and that's kind of that what I, I want to talk about today is, is our communities and, and about really loving our communities. There's, there's a verse here in Jeremiah. Now, here, here's what I know about San Diego. I, I've lived in San Diego for 25 years now. I know that in San Diego, there's a very, uh, there's a very diver, diverse group of people that come from all kinds of different places. Not very often that I meet somebody who actually is from San Diego. Most people come from somewhere else. Uh, and if you don't believe that, just go to a Padre game and find out that you're outnumbered by the Cub fans or whoever, you know. You go there like, why are there more of them than us? And, and so people just, they come from all over the place to, to come to San Diego. And, and then they put roots down because maybe for the same reason I did it. go, man, I just love this place. It's an amazing place to live and, and, and I just, I want to I be here. Well, there was a time in the history of Israel where they were exiled by God. It's basically... If you if you ever studied you know the life of Israel, uh, they they misbehaved a lot, 
And, and so at one point, God said, okay, I've had enough. I've warned you and I've warned you, so you get a timeout. And it was a 70-year timeout. And so basically, they were removed from their homeland. They were removed from Israel, removed from, from, uh, from Jerusalem. And they were exiled, first of all, by Babylonian kingdom and then the Persian kingdom. And so while they're out and about, Jeremiah uh, is speaking to the Israelites. And this is how God speaks through him. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Because he's talking to them because they're going to be on the move. They're going to be in different cities and things, in different communities. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. And now listen to this last part. He said, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will too. So in other words, wherever you are, embrace the community, pray for the community, invest in the community, and, and I'll bless that. And that's, that's what God wants us to do. So knowing that there are so many different uh, people who live in different communities, even in this church, can I have everybody just stand for a second? Everybody. So here, here's what I'd like you to do. Whatever community you are currently living in, not where you're from, but whatever community you are currently living in, I'm going to count to three, and I want you uh, proudly to shout out the name of that community, okay? All right, and I say proudly. Don't be ashamed of your community, right? Okay, embrace it. Bring the love right now, all right? So here we go. One, two, three. All right, good, good. Some people, you're really proud of your community. Okay, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Embrace your community. Um, and, and so we want to ask this question. How do I live intentionally and love generously in my community? How do I embrace my community no matter where I'm at? Um, I remember it was a while back that my, my daughter, Rachel, and her husband, Micah, moved not only out of our community, but they moved to a different state. They moved to the state of New Mexico. They live in this little town called Rodoso. And Rodoso, is, if you've ever been there, it's a little mountain community town, and it's really beautiful. But it, it's not where I wanted her and her husband, Micah, and especially they kidnapped my grandchildren. It's not where I wanted them to live. But I remember uh, Rachel, probably for the first year or two, would uh, call her mom, and, and just whine and complain and say, I don't want to be here. And this is, you know, it, it's pretty, but it's not where I want to be. And I want to be close to the family and whine and whine. And, and my wife, who is a woman of God and, and just has great wisdom, began to speak into her and say, Rachel, you need to embrace the community you're in. You need to love the people there, find a church, settle down, put roots in. Just love that community while you're there. It, it kind of reminds me of a, of a Stephen Still song. How many of you guys remember that song? If you can't be with one you're, that you love, what? Love the one you're with. Love the one. So love the community you're with, wherever you are. If you're in the Navy, the military, you're, if you're uh, here on a stopover, whatever it is, whatever community you are in, love that community and invest in, in that community. So I want to tell you this through a story, and I think it'll make the point well. In the book of Nehemiah, uh, we're going to talk about a guy who actually has been removed from the community that he loves. In fact, he's far away. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of, this is the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, which is a very, very important position uh, in those times. This is about 1,000 years after Moses, about 400 years before Jesus in history. Israel had been exiled, as I already described, and now they're all coming back home. But there's not much to come home to, as they're going to find out, uh, basically, Jerusalem is in 
a terrible condition. The walls are broken down. Uh, it's in shambles. So it's, it's, just, it's just a bad situation. Nehemiah is in a very prominent position. He's the cupbearer of the king of Persia. Now, Persia now is there, they're in power. Uh, really, they were a world power at that particular time. And he's the cupbearer. So this position means that whenever the king is going to drink his wine, he gets to drink the wine first. Of course, the king had enemies, so man, make sure nobody's going to poison him. As a matter of fact, Tony is my cupbearer here. I don't know if you guys knew that. So, you know, I know I have some enemies out there. He drinks my coffee and, you know, just make sure I'm nobody's going to kill me. But anyway, but this was a very, very important position. He would have, he would have uh, inside information and all. He'd be privy to everything that the king would be privy to. So let's, uh, let's pick up the story. In, uh, in verse 1, chapter 1 of Nehemiah, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was uh, in the citadel of Susa, Susa was the capital of Persia at that particular time, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned him about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, I want you to look at the reaction that he has because what you need to know about Nehemiah is this is his people. This is his spiritual heritage. This is where the temple formerly had been. And it, of course, at this time, it, it was all destroyed. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. And for some days, I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. I mean, Nehemiah has this visceral reaction to hearing this terrible news, and which I find to be interesting because, let's just face it, Nehemiah had it made in the shade. He was drinking the finest wine you could ever drink because he was a king's cupbearer. He was in a very prominent position. I mean, you know, that was like, well, those people are over there, and I'm over here, and I'm living good, and so why should I be so concerned about them? But he does. He embraces this community, and it, and it literally breaks his heart. Which, you know, for whatever community we're in, you, I have to ask myself that question. Do I actually, like, love my community that much? That, that sometimes I see things that, that break my heart and, and move me. Other than, the, the you know, San, again, San Diego, beautiful, right? Like, right here, Pacific Beach. People come to Pacific Beach all the time, and uh, it's like, oh, if they don't live here, they, you know, they think, oh, I'd love to live here, and it's kind of expensive to live here, but they, I'd love, love to live here, and, and I did look at Crystal Pier, and, and look at the beauty of this place, and they have all these cool restaurants, and, and there's all kinds of things going on, and it's just like, I would love to live here. But what they so often don't see is kind of what I would call the underbelly of this community. We planted a church here 20 years ago because we knew this, this was a place in distress on a spiritual level. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on over here. As a matter of fact, uh, as, as Nehemiah looked at his community, he might have looked at his, his community with these kind of thoughts, like, you know, what, what am I going to find? And so he actually does, does some research. And what would, if you were to look at your community with eyes wide open, I don't mean just like beautiful sunsets, really nice ocean, love the zoo, you know, SeaWorld's cool. I don't mean that. I mean, like, look at your community. What do you really see in your community? And where are the places that are broken down, where there's disgrace, where there's, there's trouble? And what would it take for you and me to actually have our heart broken? You see, 
here, here's what I know about PB after having been here all these years and actually done a lot of research even before I came over here. First, uh, I, I know that this is where a, a place where people come to go crazy. This is like party central over here, right? I mean, all the clubbing happened down on, on Garnett Avenue. But I also know years ago I had a friend who uh, was on his way to becoming a doctor, and uh, he was at a clinic over here. And he said, so this is what I know about PB. He says the STD rate is off the Richter scale over here. He said the unwanted pregnancies, he goes, you can't even imagine. That's why we support a group called CAPS, College Area Pregnancy um, Services. And, and because we believe that, that when somebody finds themselves pregnant and they you know, weren't planning on it, that they should have some alternatives other than abortion if they want. And so they do a beautiful job of just sharing God with these women, and, and you know, they leave the choice up to them, but, but we support them. Did you know that this is one of the biggest divorce stopovers anywhere? Because people come here and they go, well, my life's kind of falling apart. Hey, PB would be kind of a cool place to come to and hang out. And it usually, for the most part, the, just, the divorce stopover is not a pretty sight. You know, we're talking about all kinds of craziness going on, maybe getting back into the clubbing and everything. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, I like to do this. When I talk to people, and they've lived in San Diego for a while, I'll say, have you ever lived in PB? And I almost always get the same reaction. They kind of go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, really? Tell me about that. And then at some point, you know, knowing I'm a, I'm a pastor, they're like, oh, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, because it was a lot, of, a lot of craziness. Like there's an addiction issue in this community. Now, you don't probably not going to see a lot of people around here sticking needles in their arms, but there are housewives that are taking prescriptions drugs all day long. There's severe depressed people that live in this community. I mean, it, it's, it's, you see people that have some money and look like they're living well. There's a different side to this. There's broken homes all over the place. There's families that are falling apart. We have the uh, PB Town Council that meets in here once a month on a, on a Wednesday. The police officers come up here, and they always say the same thing. They say, we are so understaffed in PB. We can't keep up with the crime. It's crazy. See, these are the things that the tourist industry doesn't want to show you for obvious reasons. There is another, and I'm just describing this community right here. This is this community that we invested in. There is a dark, sinister side to this besides all of the stuff that you see. You know, you go to the boardwalk, one of my favorite places to go to, but, but there's the other side where people truly are, are hurting. I see kids running the streets in no direction in their life. Parents checked out. On and on we, we could go. Well, Nehemiah is looking at his city, the city that he cares about deeply. In verse 5, let's pick it up. He said, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven and the great awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands, let your ear be attentive to your, and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you today and night and for your servants and for the people of Israel. And now he says something here that really captured my heart when I read it. He said, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, and my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you, and we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. And I, as I thought about that, I thought, wow. That is, that is a very humble statement that he made there. How easy is it for us to live in a community and say, well, you know, those people, 
and you know they did that and boy i can't believe that they do that in my community and and i'm not like that this this guy he embraces the community he goes you know what if i'm not a part of the solution i'm a part of the problem and i would have to say that's true of all of our communities it's easy just to poke at fun at our community and say, well, there's some things I like about it, but all this other stuff, well, what are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? And so he just embraced it. He goes, I, I'm a part of the problem, but I'm not going to be a part of the problem for long. I'm looking to do something, to invest in, in my community. Move down to verse 10, and he says, they are your servants and your people whom redeem, who, you, who you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ears be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants, and delight in revering your name, and give your servant success today by gathering him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer of the king. And so he, he prays a, a, a very bold prayer. As a matter of fact, he prayed, if you read the, there's 13 chapters in Nehemiah, for four months straight. It wasn't like a quick little, uh, yeah, I probably should do something about this. This was four months of falling on his knees before God, four months of fasting, four months where he's just heartbroken, he's in, and God is just speaking to him, speaking to him before he would say, you know what, now it's time to do something. When was the last time that, and I want to encourage you to do this, that you walked around your neighborhood, just walked around praying a little bit, just praying, maybe people that you know that are in distress, maybe a family that's going through a divorce or a kid that's on drugs. Or, or somebody just recently passed away in the home and, and you know, all, any number of things. Maybe there's bankruptcy that's happening. It, it, it just happens. So what, what I'd like us to do, and I realize this may not be your community, but I'd like you to pray for this community. Just for a moment, I'd like to lead you in a prayer for Pacific Beach. Okay, let's, let's pray. Father, it was just a slightly over 20 years ago when a group of us came into this community and we had been warned that it was not friendly towards churches. It wasn't a place where you could expect big things to happen in a church. And on and on and on, Lord. We, we, we knew it was a troubled place. Beautiful place, but a troubled place. And, and, and Father, we just, as we have been here all these years, we have seen people in distress. We, we have seen people that just were lost and looking for life in all the wrong places. And we still see it today, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, for the good things that we have seen. But I, I feel like it's just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg. God, I, I feel like there's so much more we could do. I, God, we, play for, we, we pray for our police department and for our first responders in, in this community. It's, it's a tough place. Father, we pray for all the military families that are here. And uh, maybe they're here for a few years, or maybe, maybe it's a very short time that you'd help them and, and while the time while they're here, Lord. Uh, we, we pray, Lord, for the homes where the kids are just running crazy and the parents just don't know what to do and the kids are, you know, on drugs and on and on. And, Lord, just all these things in this community. This is why we are here. God, help us to have impact and love this community. It's a beautiful community, but it's a community that has need and it's a community that you love. And even as Nehemiah was moved deeply inside himself, he was bothered. God, help us to be bothered. By what we see. Bothered when we see all the homeless people walking down the streets. God, bothered by the things that bother you. But not just to be bothered, but take the next step and to invest in our communities and, and to pray for PB. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Well, as, as Nehemiah is praying, um, he begins to look at that community that he's going to go to, and he begins to formulate a plan. Um, and, and so as he's praying, God sees, first of all, he sees that God has already seen this. I, I, you know, a lot of times we look at our communities, but realize how God sees your community. He, he probably looks at it in a completely different way, and we see the pretty part, he sees the other part, that we would capture his heart, and that, that God wants to build his kingdom through our communities. Remember that, that prayer Jesus taught? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? It means you and I get to bring a little bit of heaven to wherever we are planted. So that means bringing heaven to our community, to people that are hurting and, and people that are lost. That's what we do. And then he seeks to redeem that which was lost. Jesus said it this way. This way. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And as I look around, I mean, I know one thing. When I look around, I see a lot of people that have just lost their way. They are so confused. People that are, as I always say, they're looking for God, but they just don't know it. And so they're looking in all the wrong places, doing all the wrong stuff. And they're thinking, well, this will satisfy my life. And it's like a chasing after the wind. They can't quite get there. And then pretty soon it begins to ruin their life and ruin their families. And that's why we're here today. Let's, let's, uh, I'm not going to actually read these next six verses. Let me just tell you about them. Next thing that happens, Nehemiah says, it's time. Today's the day. And so he walks into the presence of the king and the queen who are sitting there together. And uh, you got to know how much courage this took. Four months of prayer ramping up to this thing. And the king says to him, uh, Nehemiah, you look kind of depressed today. Are you sick? Everything okay? Now, he was taking a huge risk in doing this, even um, not putting on the good face. Because in ancient times, if you showed up not looking like you're supposed to look before the king, your head could be off in a second. But he had been praying. And so Nehemiah says, well, now that you mention it, yeah, I, I am in great, I'm just heart sick. And, and so here, here's why. He goes, my people, and he describes Jerusalem. He goes, my people and my community, and, and where I get my spiritual heritage, the walls are broken down. The, the city is in shambles. And, 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 and so the king listens to him, and he says, uh-huh. So what would you like? And Nehemiah, I, I love, he does, you know, what Jesus told us to do. Jesus said, you ask not because you have not. He says, I'm going for it. He says, king, he says, I want to go there. And he goes, and I want, I, I'm going to need resources. I'm going to need reinforcements. It's going to be a dangerous trip. By the way, it would be an 800-mile trip, you know, in those times. And it would be dangerous all the way. Jerusalem was not exactly a loved community. And if you read the rest of the story, there was enemies all around that did not want Jerusalem to be built back up. And so, so the king said, okay, I can get behind that. You know, you know what's interesting? I, I've just found this to be true. If you are passionate about something and you really care about something, people will get behind it. And the king got behind him. And I think he just must have seen the look in his eyes and the passion that he had and said, well, I've never been to this place called Jerusalem that you come from, but you sure do love it. Okay. And so he just writes a blank check. He basically says, look it, I'm going to send reinforcements with you. You're going to have protection. I'm going to send, you know, timber and beams and everything with you. Go do what you're going to do. And by the way, how long is it going to take you anyway? And so he tells him. He says, okay, go. That was courageous. It could not have gone, it could have completely gone the other way. But he comes with a plan. 
And that's, that's, we have to have a plan, you know. It's not, he, he could, he, this wasn't going to show up one day and go, hey, King, I'm a little bit bummed out, uh, you know. Uh, no, he, he comes up with a plan, and he explains it. And so we, have, we need to develop a strategy of how will we serve our communities? How, how, how are we actually going, going to do that? So, for instance, personal sacrifice is involved. Again, I, he's living the good life. He's got it made in the shade, and he says, I'm going to leave all of that, and I'm going to risk my own life, literally risk my life, because I care about these people so much. God loves these people, and I'm going to go over there and try to, try to help them out. And then there's this patience thing. It's not like, you know, when we go to, to serve our community, it's not like one and done. Well, I got the graffiti off the wall. That'll help. Well, it will. That's good. But there's always going to be more. And so we stay invested in, in our communities. And then there's those resource things, you know, like, uh, what are we going to do? We got to write the checks. We got we to bring some love in the way of just saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to back my prayers up with my money. And, uh, and basically, that's what's going on here. He, he rallied a whole team of people. Uh, if you move through the story a little bit, uh, I was reading it just uh, a couple of days ago, and he has all these genealogies of people, and you're like, why? Why is he mentioning all these hundreds of people and all these weird names and everything of people that are there? Because those are the people that he mobilized, cast a vision, and they came with him. And if you read the names, it's men, it's women, it's children, it's grandmothers. I mean, everybody came together, and he said, let's do this thing. Let's build the walls up and fortify this city. And by the way, I, you know, in our weird environment today, politically speaking, whenever you say build the walls up, you know, do not take it the wrong way when I say it that way, okay? Because in ancient times, if you didn't have walls built up, you, your enemies were going to swoop in on you, and it was going to be the end of all things. So in that time, you had to just for the protection of your, your community. They replied, let us start rebuilding, and so they began the good work. They began the good work. And so I want to just sort of bring this home to you today about the work that we're doing at New Break. In 2009, we became New Break. And this meant that all of these campuses, all of these churches at that time, just churches came together, and there were six of us at that time, came together and said, okay, we're, we have a strategy. And the strategy is to try to reach San Diego and maybe a different way than, like, like let's just say a megachurch would do it. A megachurch, nothing wrong with megachurches. That's their strategy. Like, we're going to, like, grow and get really big. Ours is we want to spread out all over San Diego and, and have smaller venues but have more of those venues. And, and, and this is our mission statement. And, and, and when you look at this statement... I want you to understand, this was not written down one day on a napkin somewhere in a restaurant. This is thousands, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up, this is thousands of hours and, and hundreds of hours of prayer that went behind this simple mission statement, because we take this serious, folks. We take it serious about reaching San Diego. We know God loves San Diego. And so when it says connecting people with God, that's our number one priority, Remember we talk about all those people who don't know God, all those people, are, whether they're rich or they're poor or they're anywhere in between, whether they're beautiful or whatever. It doesn't matter. People don't know God, and they're all over the place. And so we want to connect people to God. But then, secondly, we realize, realize that, well, how are you going to do that? Well, we feel the best way to do that is through relationships, what we call authentic relationships. Uh, we're, we're not big on uh, getting a bullhorn and running down to some place and saying, Repent! We just don't think that's the way to do it. And maybe some churches do. And if they want to do that and they feel God's leading them that way, okay. But we don't feel, we feel like we build it through relationship. We want to get to know people who live in our communities. And then lastly, we serve. It's all about serving. This, is, this ain't no country club. 
I know there are some churches you can go to, and it's like it's more of that and whatever. They can do their thing. But we, we decided a long time ago, we are in communities to serve communities, to show the love of God and to reach those hurting people in those communities. This is our strategy. So I show you our mission. This is our strategy right here. Basically, it's real simple. We just want to get people to come to church beginning of the week. Or By the way, uh, in our campus, we have one that starts on a Thursday night. We have one that starts on a Saturday night. So you can pick any one of those days. But anyway, just like get people to come to church. That's, I find that that's the greatest obstacle for mo- most people. If you can just get that person out there just to take you know, one step in. And they walk in and they go, oh, you all look kind of normal. Okay, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm not serious. That, that's a huge step right there. And, and then they get to, to know people, and then they get to feel the love in the church. Then we know the next step is get them into a life group where they begin to do life with other people and life on life, and it's just a beautiful thing. And then, and then you begin, begin to serve. And if you are new to Newbreak, I'm going to tell you, we have endless amounts of activity of serving. We're all about serving our, our communities. That's our strategy. And so here's one of them. Let me, Hillcrest. We're opening a church. We're planting a church in Hillcrest in September. We're so excited about it. I know if you've ever been to Hillcrest, great restaurant, real hipster community, right? And you're like, oh, this would be a cool place. But just like PB, there's a darker, sinister side to Hillcrest. There's a lot of brokenness over there. And, and that's why we're there. We were blessed. Somebody actually literally handed us a church. And uh, we're re- renovating that church right now. And a guy named Isaac Roberts, who was on this platform a few weeks ago, is going to lead that church. And we're so excited about what God's going to do in that particular community. Hope Center. Hope Center is over in uh, El Cajon. Anybody been over there yet to, to see what they're doing over there? They're doing some crazy good stuff for God. So if you've ever been to that church, they're in like a section eight. So it, it's more of an impoverished area of El Cajon. And, and that's why that church is there, to minister to the people there. Um, a, lot, a lot of homeless people. By the way, how many of you know that, that we are number four in the nation? San Diego is in home, homeless population. A lot of people here, a lot of hurting people. And so we started this thing called Hope Center. And this is some of the stuff we're doing. Like so far, we've fed over 13,000 people, given away over three tons of food, created jobs, 37 jobs, housing, 42 people, programs, 109, 12 people came to Christ. Now, is that something to get a little happy about? That's the kind of stuff that we should get happy about. That's, that's called serving your community. That's called for El Cajon. We leaned in and we said, we're going to do something about the broken walls of this community. And then City Serve. And this is, I could go on and on, but I'm just gonna close with this one right here. City Serve, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's something that we just started, and we're just beginning to roll it out right now. City Serve is an organization that has partnered with some of the uh, major, like, major corporations, uh, retail corporations like Costco and like Target and like Home Depot. And so this is the way it works. Uh, most of these places have overstock at some point. And their question is, what are we going to do with the overstock? Who are we going to give it to? You know, how's that going to work? And so they have said, well, you know, we don't want to just go fill a landfill with this. It. not a good thing to do. We actually wanted to help people and to bless people. And so CityServe was created, and what they do is they take all of their overstock, and it could be, a lot, it could be like these chairs right here. These actually come from Costco, by the way. Uh, and there's all kinds of things they have, and they, we, they give it to us. We put it in a warehouse and they have two stipulations. You can't sell it. And um, you can give it away, but you have to give it away to an organization or to a group of people that it's going to be meaningful to. Okay. And so we said, okay, 
Because we believe this is going to give us tremendous leverage in a good way and being able to reach more people in San Diego and bless San Diego. So I know probably some of you are thinking, well, that's, that's cool. So then it's not going to cost you anything. No, actually, it's going to cost us a lot. We had to create space in order to bring that in. So at the tune of 94000 a year in order to create that space, and that's not including some of the other costs involved. So we're, we're, we're sacrificially saying, San Diego, San Diego and all of our communities, we're going to love you. We're going to love you. It's going to cost us something, but we're going to love you, and we want you to know the love of God ultimately. That's, that's the big idea. And you're going to hear a lot more. I'm just kind of, this is just beginning to roll out CityServe and everything that we're going to do. Um, we, in this town, Tony and Donnie and I have been talking about what can we do in PB, and we're talking about doing something for our police department, and, and there'll be other uh, community groups here that we're going to reach out to. And we want to do it. You, you let us know what we can do for you, okay, because this is going to be big, and we're, we're, we're going to bless San Diego. But I want to I conclude with this. It's one thing to pray, and I want you to pray. And I want you to give your time as much as you can. We'll create all kinds of opportunities. But really, when it's all said and done, we have to, you like, pay for it. And on your, your seat right there is a generosity. It just says generosity. It's a card that says generosity. And he, here's what I want you to know. It, these things all sound marvelous, don't they? Ah, right on you, break. Yeah, love what you're doing. How are we doing it? Well, it, it, all of us. All of us giving, all of us being generous. That's the only way we can pull it off. And you've heard me say it over and over again. Every once in a while, somebody walks in the door here and they go, that's so cool that the school lets you use the auditorium. Yeah, to the tune of 45 grand a year. They let us use the auditorium. Everything that we do has a cost to it. Everything for our children and for our youth and for the outreaches and, and everything. And so what I want to do, I just want to encourage you today, this morning, uh, towards your generosity. We, we would call it a generosity journey, and I, I don't know where you're at, but I just I want to put the challenge out there. If, so I, I know sometimes the basket goes by and people drop a, a few dollars in, and we appreciate every dollar that comes in. We don't take it for granted. We try to use it wisely. But, but when I talk about generosity journey, I'm talking about where you, you get in the habit of regularly giving. And you say, I'm committed to giving so much per week or per month. Or, or however you would choose to do it. And if you'll turn the card over, you can see, uh, for one thing, it says, I want to set up a reoccurring giving. Uh, did you know that in the summertime, most churches hurt a lot more? And it's not too hard to figure out. People go on vacation. And a lot of times when they're on vacation, they just, they don't give. And therefore, our funds are down. And I'm just going to tell you right across the board, um, the funds are down pretty bad right now in, in New Break. Because we're, we're wanting to do all these things. And I think our hearts are in the right place. But uh, we're just in a situation where we just really need people to, to step up. And the second thing under there is, is I want to take the 90-day tithe challenge. And let me, let me talk about what that means. The tithe means 10%. And in the Bible, starting all the way back with a guy named Abraham, all the way through a prophet named Malachi, and all the way through Jesus supporting the tithe, he said, that's just the way you support your church. It's, it's, it's the way that you support all the things that we do. And so if you've never tithed, You've never experienced the potential blessing that you're going to have in your life. Where you, you basically, you live on 90% and you say, God, I, I trust you for the rest. And God takes your 90 and he makes it better than the 100 that you could do by doing what you do. And I've, I've experienced this all my life. And it, there's a, there, you'll feel closer to God than you've ever felt before. It's an amazing journey with God. And I just, I just want to encourage you this morning.
um, to, to take that step. That's the reason we call it a challenge is because it's challenging, right? It's like, wow, that's, that's 10%. You know, that, that's a lot, but that's, that's the biblical standard. And, and that's, that's how we do all the things that we do. And that's how we create the financial base to be able to do all the things that we do. We're not a hard sell. I, I, uh, I went to a wedding yesterday of a different organization that does church financially differently. And if you were to be a part of this church, they would just take it. And they would say, if you join us, we're just going to take X amount of dollars. And I, I thought, I, I will never, ever, you know, that, that's not what we do. The Apostle Paul said, be a, a cheerful, joyful giver. And so I'm, I'm appealing to that. I'm appealing to the generosity part of you that says, I love my community. And I love people. And I want to invest in, in people. I want to make my community better. I want to invest in the kingdom of God. No better way to do it than this. Folks, I can't say it any more plain than that. I leave it with you. So I, I just, I want to um, encourage you to take the car, look it over. Um, the reason we said 90-day challenge is because you probably heard it before. It takes 30 days to form a habit, so the researchers say. And we thought, well, we're a church. We have grace. So we'll give you 90. And, and it's, not, it's just a way of formulating the habit. And also, we know that at the end of 90 days, you're going to come back and you're go. You're just going to say, wow. You're just going to go, whoa. I, I never experienced that. I, never, I didn't know what that was about, but now I do. So let me pray for you right now, okay? Father, You came into this world, you sent your son into this world, Jesus, at great personal cost and sacrifice. And you said that we are to be a living sacrifice. And God, so often we acknowledge that we're a blessed people, and, and we really are in so many different ways, and that we're a blessing so we can be a blessing to others. And, and, and so, Father, I just pray that you speak to our hearts individually right now. Speak to every single person about what, what they can do to learn what a joy it is to be a giver and to support and, and to see lives literally changed because of that, because we supported and we gave and we sacrificed. So just, God, speak to people right now. I pray that they would just know what to do, how to respond. Help us to be cheerful givers, cheerfully generous. Lord, we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers if they come forward right now. We're going to return the tithe and the offering. And um, if you have your card and you fill it out, just, just drop that in the basket if you would. If you want to think about it, take it home. Please, by all means, do that. Bring it back next week. Take it out to um, outside guest services, and you can, you can drop the card off there. Lord. Thank you for the generosity of this church. This has been a generous church, God, a generous people, a people who love you, a people who look at their communities and they love their communities. And so, Father, I pray that you take these gifts, these tithes, these offerings this morning and, and just bless people with it. In Jesus' name we pray. You're the God of the city, you're the King of these people, you're the Lord of the nations, 
you are You're the light in this darkness You're the hope to the hopeless You're the peace to the restless You are And there is no one like our God There is no one like our God And greater things are yet to come Greater things still to be done together one more time. Greater things than greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Oh, greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. seeing you next week. Gonna get your perfect bar on a perfect Sunday. It's gonna be great. Uh, if you like prayer, come on up here right now and we have people to be love love to pray for you, okay? Have a great week.